0: this morning, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you today that we can come together around this, your word, Father, we can start it together and that we can rejoice in the knowledge that we have a wonderful Savior. We thank you that you did, that your son did leave that throne and heavenly home and come to earth and die for us upon the cross of Calvary. We pray this morning as we come around your word and as we come around the Lord's table that you would just encourage us by this truth and that, Father God, that we would rejoice in you. Give me wisdom, I pray now, as I present your word. May I have that clarity of thought, and may your words speak to our hearts today. And we're sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In our society today, you know it's easy for us to see what's wrong with it. You know, if I was to say what do you think is wrong with society, every one of us would be able to identify <coughs> something that's wrong with society. It's easy for us to look around and see what is broken. The problem is knowing how to fix it. And all too often, uh, mankind tries to fix the world's problems with the wrong tool. You know, we can throw information and technology at the world's problem, but that doesn't fix it. We can throw money at it and we can try to cover it up with pleasure, but the problem won't go away. Because ever since the Garden of Eden, man has tried all kinds of ways to fix man's problems in his own strength, and every time man has failed. But you see, we can't fix the problem ourselves. It's impossible. We don't have the capability, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the means by which you and I, in, as individuals, can fix man's problem. That's why God sent his Son as a Redeemer to save us from our problem, which is sin. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, came to deliver you and I from sin, to redeem us from sin. For we could not redeem ourselves. We could not save ourselves. And as we continue our journey to Christmas this morning, we're going to look at three characteristics of Jesus, our Redeemer, here at Matthew chapter 1. All you to notice for his first characteristic is that he is our pure Redeemer. Verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise. When his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. There is no doubt that one of the most attacked doctrines today in religious circles regarding the Bible, one of the most attacked doctrines is the doctrine of the virgin birth. You know, it's hard to understand scientifically. It doesn't make sense biologically. It seems impossible that a virgin could conceive and bear a son. The enemies of Jesus in Jesus' day uh, were suspicious about the circumstances surrounding his birth and therefore suspicious about his parentage. And they made reference to that. Turn with me to John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8. And notice what... The people of Christ's day thought of Christ and his parentage. John chapter 8 and verse 19. Then they say to him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. They asked, Where is thy father? Drop down to verse 41 in the same chapter says, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. That's just to name two references to the fact they questioned his parentage. They questioned where he came from. It was hard for them even in his day to comprehend that he was born of a virgin. And so here Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, sets the story straight. Matthew addresses this whole issue of how Jesus Christ came into being. How did Christ, the uh, the Savior, leave heaven's glory? How did He become the God-Man? How did that all happen? And Matthew spells out for you and I just exactly how Jesus Christ became our Redeemer. Now, some would suggest there is no point worrying about it. I mean, after all, does it really matter? Well, it's in the Bible, here in Matthew chapter one and in Luke chapter two and in other places. And uh, because it's in the word of God, then it must matter. There is a reason why God allowed it to be recorded in his word. And it's not just because he wanted to fill up space. There's a reason for this, because it does matter. Also, the fact that Satan spends so much time attacking the doctrine tells us that it matters because the devil doesn't waste his time attacking things that don't matter. Since he spends so much time attacking the doctrine, Trying to discredit the doctrine of the verge of birth, then you and I can rest assured that this must be a pretty important fact in the Word of God. And it is indeed an important fact. This is what makes the difference between Jesus Christ being just like you and I and Jesus Christ being made the pure Redeemer. In verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found the child of the holy ghost mary conceived of the holy ghost he miraculously created within mary this birth this pregnancy so that jesus christ could be born of a woman he miraculously created life in her apart from the help of a man and this was prophesied in isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 and now it's fulfilled here in Matthew chapter one and verse twenty-three, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's a direct quote from Isaiah seven fourteen. God prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bring forth the son, and now in this day, as God comes in the form of God, God comes, or rather, He sends an angel to come to Joseph and explain to Joseph what's going on with the pregnancy of Mary. He explains to Joseph, this is fulfillment of a prophecy, that this virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and that son shall indeed be Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God, of very God, manifest in the flesh, the pure Redeemer for mankind. Whether science or biology can explain it or not, that's what happened, and you and I need to believe it by faith. And all this matters, for Jesus must have been born of a virgin, in order for you and I to be saved and we have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden to discover why we're not going to do that but you have to go back all the way to the Garden of Eden to discover why because the Bible says the sin of the world through one man Adam I do want you to turn to Romans chapter 5 please Romans chapter 5 because Romans chapter 5 tells us of the events of Genesis and why it's important that Jesus Christ must be born of a virgin Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we read, Wherefore was by one man sin into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam partook of that fruit in the garden, Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, the Bible tells us, sin into the world, and death by sin, and death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. As a result of Adam's disobedience, as a result of Adam's sin, you all know this, as a result of his sin, death entered into the world. First Corinthians chapter 15, 22 tells us, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. It's in Adam that all die, but in Christ, he's the only means of salvation. As Adam stands as our representative in the Garden of Eden, and God says that whatever an Adam does, he's going to stand as our representative, the first Adam. He is going to, Speak in our behalf, and Adam sinned, therefore death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We all sinned in Adam. So, as in Adam, we all die. So, in Jesus Christ, the second Adam, we can all be made alive. He stands as our representative at the cross of Calvary, and He dies in our place as our representative. And because He stands as the second Adam and stands as our representative, in Him we can all be saved. As in Adam, we all died. In him we could all be saved. It's imperative, it's important that he is the pure redeemer, that he is born of a virgin, that he is tainted by the sin of mankind. You know, that he might die for us. Thanks to Adam. We're sinners by action and we're sinners by birth. Our sinful nature has been passed down from generation to generation from Adam. So even if it was possible... For you and I to live without sinning a single sin, we would still be condemned because we inherited a sinful nature. It could have been conceivable for Jesus to have lived without committing a single sin. But there was no way he could have escaped the sin nature if he had been born of an earthly father like the rest of us. But he wasn't. Look in Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1. And verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to man whose name was Joseph. The house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail. Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed be thou, art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How could this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answers and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in an old age. This is the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. God performed a miracle on that first Christmas so that Jesus could be born of a virgin. He could come in the world and not be tainted by the sin nature, passed down from Adam to every man and woman through birth. And the only way Jesus could have been the pure Redeemer, pure enough to die in our place as if he had no human father, God required a sinless sacrifice. And Jesus Christ became that sacrifice. By being conceived of the Holy Ghost, by being born of a virgin, Jesus was born free from the sin nature that one of us possess because of Adam's sin. And By being conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of a virgin, Jesus was born pure. And being born pure, he is our pure Redeemer, the only one equipped to save you and I from our sins. We can praise God today that our Redeemer is a pure Redeemer. But he's not only a pure Redeemer, he's also a public Redeemer. Look at verses 19 and 20. Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. St. Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't come in hiding. He didn't even come to be hidden. His coming was a public event, and as this events unfold in the Christmas story, we know how public this event was. This public was announced by angels to shepherds Shepherds then went and told the whole of Bethlehem and the news spread. Wise men came from the east and uh, spread the news that uh, Bethlehem of Judea, the king of the Jews, had been born. The news spread throughout the land. His coming was public. Although Joseph didn't know it at that time. From verse 19 it says, that when Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public example, was minded to put away publicly, uh, privately. Joseph has no idea what's going on. He's found out that Mary's pregnant, but Joseph's not aware of what's going on. He's not aware of what's unfolding before him. He's not aware of what God's about to do to make a public announcement about the Savior which is coming into the world. The Bible says here that Joseph was a just man. Being a just man means that he was observant of the law of God. He was a man who kept God's law. Particularly in this case, he was a just man and he wanted to respect the law of God with regards to that of adultery. For as far as Joseph knew, Mary had been unfaithful to him. He knew he was not the father of the child and therefore logic tells us that Mary must have been unfaithful to Joseph for Mary to be pregnant and Joseph being a just man Joseph being a man who loves the law of God and upholds the law of God and wants to respect the law of God particularly with regards to that matter of adultery in this case now decides he has to decide upon what he's going to do what is he going to do as a man of God in relation to the word of God keeping the law of God since his wife appears to have been unfaithful to him now what he could do under the law is make her a public example or he could deliver her to the civil magistrate for punishment. According to the law, Deuteronomy 22:23, 23 under the public example part of it, the person should have been brought out to the city gate and there she was to be stoned with stones, making her a public example to others. Or if he didn't want her to be put to death, if he didn't uh, want to go that route, he could have divorced her in a very public manner, could have gone to the civil authorities, he could have publicly announced he was divorcing her. and uh, then he would have brought out uh, then what would have happened is she would have been uh, exposed to open shame and disgrace because she'd been publicly derided as being unfaithful, and Joseph had therefore divorced her. Now to prevent that, because Joseph must have loved Mary immensely. He didn't want her stoned to death. He didn't want her to be publicly uh, shamed and disgraced. He was minded to put her away privately. Look in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. What he was going to do is he was going to slip her a little note privately that said, you're divorced. And it would have been over between the two of them. And she would have been saved, the disgrace of a public trial. She would have been sa- saved, the, uh, the terror of being stoned to death. And he just was going to tell her privately, it's over. He would go his way. She would go her way and uh, uh, deal with her situation. And Joseph would get on with his life. And he was going to put her away privily. He deliberately consoled, determined with himself to dismiss her, to divorce her, to give her a bill of divorcement, but to do it in a private manner. He was a just man, a man of honor, so this is his desire, to simply just divorce her and walk away. But you know, that was not God's plan. From verse 20 we read, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. God did not intend for this to be a private matter. For this was not a matter of unfaithfulness. This was not a matter that Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph. This was a matter of fulfillment of prophecy. This was a matter of salvation. This was a matter of a redeemer, Had come. This was the Messiah that had been promised in the Old Testament. Had now come into come to earth and was conceived of Mary and was going to be born and was going to live and was going to die. This was the Redeemer. This was not a private matter. This was not something that Joseph had to deal with privately. This was a matter that the public needed to know about. Jesus Christ, the Savior, was going to be born. Virtually everything about his coming was foretold by the prophets so that everybody should have known when it was announced that the baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea of the Virgin Mary, everybody should have known that this was the promised Messiah. Now there were those ones who were truly looking for his coming, like Elizabeth back in uh, at the time in Luke chapter 1 whereby she's told that she's going to be pregnant with John the Baptist, Elizabeth believes we also know that John the Baptist believed and Simeon believed. Anna also recognized him immediately. They recognized him as the Messiah. They knew the scripture and they believed the promise of God. They knew that this one was who was born of, of uh, in Bethlehem of Judea, of Mary was indeed the Redeemer. The truth that had been pu- publicly foretold since the Garden of Eden. Back in Genesis, God had foretold that He was going to send one one day who would indeed defeat Satan, who would be born of a woman. And the Old Testament prophesied this, and now this event was to come into pass this very public acknowledgement that Christ, the Savior, had been given. But you know, just because it was well documented, just because the public should have known about it. Just because it was a public truth doesn't mean that people believed it. And the vast majority of the people in Palestine in that day, even though they read the Old Testament, even though they knew what the Old Testament taught, they did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Redeemer. But one man, probably one of the most important characters in this story, who doesn't get a lot of credit, one man believed it, that was Joseph I don't think you and I can begin to imagine how difficult this is for Joseph he obviously loves Mary, he obviously is looking forward to his marriage, he's looking forward to his wedding day, he's both to her and he's preparing for that. He's preparing a place for her. He's building upon the back of his parents' house a, a dwelling place for her. He's getting ready for the wedding day. It's, everything he's doing is public. The whole of, the, uh, of the, uh, the city of Nazareth knows what's going on. Joseph is preparing for wedding with Mary. This is, the event is coming, and they can see the preparations. He's preparing a place for her. And he gets word that she's pregnant. But he loves her so he doesn't make a public example of her he's simply just going to give her a bill of divorcement and that's not easy for him he doesn't live in the 21st century where you know divorce is uh, common uh, amongst people he lives in the first century where it's not common particularly amongst the Jews it's a difficult situation for him But he believes. It's amazing. The angel comes and tells him the story and he believes. What is told? Look in verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife. He believed and acted. Of all the people who didn't believe, Joseph was not one of them. Joseph believed and he acted, he took Mary unto him as his wife. Now remember what he's saying is he's saying this one who I'm marrying, either she was unfaithful to me with somebody else or we have slipped up before we got officially married because everybody knows she's pregnant and he's marrying her. People can work it out even if they didn't know it. And he takes a step of faith now. He believes God, and he takes her unto himself as his wife. And in verse 25, he says, He knew her not till she had brought forth a firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He was not even going to have relations with her till such time as the child was born. So there was no doubt that this child was indeed conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now Joseph didn't know his part in this when he woke up that morning. When he receives word that Mary is pregnant, he has no idea what is going on. But God wasn't even going to keep that a secret. He was going to tell him all about it. And he did in verse 20. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. That which is conceived of her is the Holy Ghost. Nothing is left to interpretation. Nothing is left to misunderstanding. Hearing in the angels' words, no, for Joseph is the easy part. Then comes the difficult part. Now he had to publicly follow the Lord's command. He had to publicly take Mary to be his wife. They had to bring forth the marriage. He had to go and get her. And, you know, in the Jewish wedding, he had to go out and with all the entourage and get her and bring her back to his father's house and have the whole of the ceremony. Uh, he had to publicly proclaim his love in Ma- of Mary. He had to publicly take Mary to his wife. He had to publicly put up with the fact that sh- his wife was pregnant and he wasn't the father. He had to tell the people that it was okay because God was the father of the child. Now, can you imagine how that story went down? You know, so, Joseph... Mary's pregnant, was it you? No, it was God. <laughs> yeah, Joseph. I mean, I, I don't think you and I, I think we underestimate that what was going on for Joseph. I understand how difficult it is for Mary. Please don't misunderstand me. But when you read Matthew, I think sometimes we read Matthew chapter 1, and we read it cards blank, don't we? And we just read the story, but we don't read between the lines. This is not easy for Joseph. What God's asking Joseph to do is contrary to his very nature, contrary to what he believes, first and foremost, contrary to what he's been taught, contrary to every fiber of his being, and certainly to have to tell people that the child that Mary is carrying is not his, but she wasn't unfaithful, it's God's child, is not easy for Joseph. But you see, God wanted to announce publicly the arrival of the Redeemer. It wasn't easy for Joseph, but he knew that God's will needed to be done. He knew that Christ was the Redeemer. He knew that this Redeemer must be announced publicly. He has to be a public Redeemer, not a private Redeemer. So Joseph willingly, happily takes Mary unto him, his wife, knows it not till the child is born and proudly acknowledges that Mary is his wife and she's conceived of the Holy Ghost. Here's an example for us. You know, you and I need to be unashamedly the witnesses of Jesus Christ. Unashamedly, do we need to publicly confess Christ is our Redeemer. Unashamedly, we need to be willing to acknowledge that we are indeed the sons of God. Each of us need to tell people about the Savior. It's vital. Souls are lost and they need the Savior, but they won't know the Savior if we keep it to ourselves. Like Joseph of all, we've got to boldly be willing to stand up for Jesus Christ and proclaim that Jesus Christ was born and he is the Redeemer of all sinners who will believe. On him, we need to take a leaf out of Joseph's book and stand upon the Word of God and unashamedly proclaim our Redeemer. Souls won't get saved unless we do, people won't turn to Christ unless we do. If you and I simply go through our daily lives, and you and I go off to work, and you and I go off to this and that or the other place, and we talk to unsafe family members. And we simply just do not testify of Christ, they won't get saved. We need to boldly and willingly and unashamedly proclaim our Redeemer. Jesus is our pure Redeemer, He's our public Redeemer. Therefore, we need to boldly proclaim his birth this Christmas but he's also our perfect redeemer. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And when the angel told Joseph that Jesus will save his people from their sins, first of all, the angel acknowledges the sinfulness of people. If If people need to be saved from their sins, then the conclusion is that People are sinners. He said that Jesus will save people from their sins. You know, the baby at Christmas didn't come to give us another holiday. The baby at Christmas didn't come as another opportunity to make money for Hallmark cards. The babe born in Bethlehem all those years ago didn't come so that you and I could have Christmas trees and Christmas pudding and turkey and And Christmas presents. He came to save us from our sins. You and I must always see the manger in the shadow of the cross, folks. And at Christmas time, you know, it's so easy to get up in the spirit of the moment, to get caught up in the festive season, to get caught up in the excitement of all. But, you know, as we think about Christmas, when we think about that baby in the manger, we need to realize that that manger stands in the shadow of the cross because that baby was born to die. It's his death as well as his birth that makes it possible for our salvation. And that's what this table speaks about. The reason why we don't have a manger up here when we remember the... the, the Main scene, and remember the birth of Jesus Christ regularly, is because the birth of Jesus Christ is the beginning, the death of Jesus Christ is the means by which He purchased our redemption. He came as our perfect Redeemer, but He had to die to purchase that redemption. You know, we're all well aware of the fact that you and I are violators of God's law, you and I are sinners. As James chapter one, 2 and verse 10 says, for Whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Every one of us in this place today are well aware of the fact that we needed a Redeemer. You and I are well aware of the fact that apart from Him we would be lost and dying in our sin. Apart from Him we would only have judgment to face, not glory to face. Apart from Him we would have no hope. But praise God, He came in Bethlehem of Judea and was born uh, uh, for you and I as a pure public perfect redeemer and he died upon the cross of Calvary to save us the angel acknowledged that the angel acknowledged that he came for sinners he tells us there that you'll call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins and the angel not only acknowledged the sinfulness of people, but also assured Joseph of Jesus, that Jesus would be the salvation of people. You should call his name Jesus, which means Savior. You'll call his name Savior. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. He said Jesus would save. Jesus Christ, the one who this time of the year we celebrate as a baby in a manger the one who was born of a virgin the one the angel announced to joseph is also the one who 33 years later willingly went to calvary's hill willingly died upon the cross on golgotha shed his blood for you and i so that we could be saved once again that's what this table speaks about this morning it speaks about that event But that event, the crucifixion, was only possible because of his birth. He had to be born a pure redeemer. He had to be born uh, without sin. It was publicly announced that he was the redeemer. And the reason we came to redeem was because we're sinners. And Jesus is the Savior. But in order to save, he had to die. 33 years after the events of Christmas, Jesus died upon the cross. We might be saved. The birth and the cross must be seen together. For he was born of a virgin that he might die as a very, very perfect redeemer. This time of the year, as every time in the year, we must remember that Jesus is still in the soul-saving business. He's still our pure redeemer. He's still our public redeemer. And he is still our perfect Redeemer. He's not just someone we tack onto our life with no real commitment or change. He's not just a plastic figurine that we bring out at Christmas time and put him in our, uh, in our nativity scene. He's not just a decoration in a manger. He's our Redeemer. And as a sinner, the Son of God is the only one who can redeem, He's the only one who can save, He is the Savior. The greatest work that Jesus Christ did for you and I isn't guiding the sun and the moon and the stars, even though he does. His greatest work isn't designing the destinies of nations, even though he does. His greatest work isn't the ruling of angels, even though he does. His greatest work is in the realm of salvation. He came to save. He's our perfect redeemer. You know, mankind's problem is that he prefers to be saved from troubles more than from transgressions. He prefers to be saved politically more than spiritually. He wants salvation from physical sickness more than from spiritual and moral sickness. But the prime ministry of Christ is the saving of souls. He is the great physician. He can heal the sick. He does lift up kings and put down kings. He does meet our needs day by day. The greatest work, the greatest reason why he came was to save you and I from our sins. We should be so thankful. That's his primary reason for coming. That Jesus Christ came to die, save us from our sins. He came in public, and we need to profess him in public. He was born in Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus, for it's the only one who can save us. Babe in the manger is the same Jesus who died upon the cross of Calvary. He's the same Jesus who shall come again one day and take us home to glory. That babe born in Bethlehem, conceived of a virgin, is our Redeemer. As we come around the table of remembrance this morning, I trust you know Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, as your Saviour. And if you know the Savior, trust today that you'll join me in giving thanks to God for our public, pure, perfect Redeemer and that we'll partake of this table with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for our Redeemer. We thank you, Father God, that he is indeed a pure redeemer. He's a public redeemer. He's a perfect redeemer. We thank you, Father God, some 2,000 years ago, he left heaven's glory. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost, was born of a virgin, grew up and died as our redeemer. And may we this morning give thanks as we come around this table of remembrance the death burial resurrection of jesus christ enabling us to be saved let's now we pray in jesus name amen we're going to take a hymn books